welcome to the Wild Words Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Galata, and this is a show about helping writers embrace the season they're in. After finishing graduate school, I felt like I knew a lot about writing, but almost nothing about how to be a writer in the world. I've spent the past 15 years trying to figure out how to blend my work life, family life, and creative life, and everything I've learned so far is inside my new book, Wild Words, Rituals, Routines, and Rhythms for Braving the Writer's Path. On this podcast, we're continuing the conversation with an emphasis on tuning in and taking care. I'll be sharing insights from my own journey and talking with fellow creatives about how they navigate everything from self-doubt to social media. So brew a cup of tea and join me as we explore the writer's life. Welcome to the very first episode of the Wild Words podcast. I'm so grateful you're listening today, and I'm looking forward to exploring the writer's life with you. My deep hope with this show is it helps you feel more grounded in your work, confident in whatever pace you're moving, and also that it brings a little encouragement to your journey on the writer's path. If you're planning to be a regular listener or you join my online community, you should know that we talk a lot about seasons. And since this is episode one, I wanted to start with a short manifesto of what seasonal creative living is and how wild words showed up in my life in the first place. You can essentially consider this episode the equivalent of required reading for a new college course, which I suppose makes this required listening, but it'll really help set the foundation for a lot of the things we'll be talking about in the episodes to come. A Writer's Life is Lived in Seasons is the title of the introduction to my book, Wild Words, and the title of this episode, and it's an idea that came out of the early days of parenthood. The phrase wild words is from a Mary Oliver poem called Morning that showed up in my inbox on a pretty ordinary day just a few months into figuring out this whole motherhood thing. The subject of the poem is unextraordinary. It's the start of a day and the speaker is simply looking around her house at the linoleum. The cat licks milk from a bowl and there's this real sense of a quiet happiness. And then towards the end of the poem, Oliver poses a question. What more could I do with wild words? When I read that line, I saw myself in the poem. Here I was, a new mother, so happy to not be pregnant and just enjoying getting to know my son. By all accounts, very happy. But there were still those wild words inside of me, and I was right at a turning point of needing to figure out how to access my writing and cultivate my creativity alongside motherhood. So it was a really big change, a really big transitional period. And when I was pregnant, I remember a lot of people sharing stories that all sort of circled around the same general piece of advice, which is don't get too comfortable. They said, as soon as my son started sleeping through the night, he'd hit a sleep regression, for example. Or once we finally figured out how to bundle him up in the swaddle, he'd wiggle out of it. 
it really reinforced this need to be adaptable, to stay in the present moment and just trust that whatever was happening or any challenges we faced would most likely be short-lived because when babies are young, the milestones happen really quickly. All of this turned out to be true, and a few months into parenthood, after navigating through all of those micro-seasons of the fourth trimester and beyond, I had one of those light bulb moments. And it occurred to me that a writer's life is lived in seasons too. I can clearly see a marker of before and after. Before I adopted this philosophy, I was really scrambling, trying to do everything at once, not clear on what was most important, giving myself a hard time about things. And then after, when I settled into the calming realization that wherever I was, was simply a season. At that moment in time, I was actually in two seasons, the season of raising young children, which I'm still in. And it was also a season of liminal space, that middle ground between the life that was and the life we were creating as a family of three. And I noticed that actually naming these seasons and being able to say confidently when I was in one or moved into another one felt really comforting. And I think the best part truly is being able to rid yourself of the comparison, the jealousy, any shaming, and feeling like you're behind. Because when you let external factors influence you, which we all do from time to time, it's so easy to fall into that trap. But when you're rooted in the seasons and you know that you're exactly where you need to be, it makes things so much easier. And I'm really talking about three layers of seasons here. First, the creative seasons, which we'll get to in this episode. Second, we also have seasons of the earth. We have summer, fall, winter, and spring. And third, your inner seasons as a woman within your monthly cycle. My book focuses mostly on the first category, the creative seasons, but on this podcast, we'll be dipping into all three and how they intersect and how you can leverage them and just exploring this natural framework that helps you know and believe you're right where you're supposed to be. It really makes life so much easier, and I honestly can't imagine living any other way now. On this show, I'll also be talking with other creatives who are navigating their own writing path because the truth is it really looks different for all of us. And I believe that hearing stories about how other people make space to write, how they overcome obstacles, and even approach things like marketing and social media is one of the best ways to feel less alone on the journey and recenter ourselves to the work we need to do. Okay, so let's dig into those writing seasons. Now in the book, I outline 10 of them because that's what I've identified so far. But like you, I'm always learning and always growing. And if you check back with me in a few years, I might have some new seasons to add to this list, but we're starting with 10. And I'll explain what I like to call both the obstacles and opportunities of each season. So first up, we have the season of beginnings, which is really where every idea starts. Before we have anything finished, 
The idea is just this small little seed that's planted in our mind. It's a season often associated with springtime and can be the period where you start working on your messy first draft or embrace any time you can find to write and not worry so much about the details quite yet. You're just writing without feeling burdened, without that inner critic slowing you down. Although I will say one of the challenges here is keeping that inner critic at bay because what a perfect time to show up, right? Just when you have a new idea that's vulnerable and not fully formed enough to stand on its own. So while you're writing away here, just know that if you start to doubt yourself really early on, it's entirely normal. And that brings me to the next season, which is the season of self-doubt. And we're all familiar with this season. Probably we know it a little more intimately than we would like. And the season of self-doubt can really show up anytime for any length of time. As I just mentioned, it can show up in the season of beginnings when you're just getting started. It can show up in the weeks leading up to publication. It can get you down when rejections come in and your confidence is temporarily lowered. It's a pretty certain companion to the writer's life. But one way that I like to reframe it is as an opportunity to go deeper and do some emotional digging and actually get to the root that's causing those doubts and those limiting beliefs. A simple exercise I often recommend here is to name your fears. This can be either out loud or in your notebook. And I find that whenever I do this, and especially when I say it out loud, it makes the fears seem less scary. It actually helps remove them from my body and my monkey mind and lets me see them for what they really are, which is a first step towards getting yourself out of this season. Moving on to season three, the season of going back in time. And the season is a little bit different because it's one that you enter very consciously. It's an exercise, really, a chance to revisit some early memories and articulate your origin story as a writer. And as you listen to this show, when I interview guests, one of the first things I ask is how they started writing. What's your origin story? It's really easy to just get caught up in whatever we're working on or life in general. And we often don't stop to remember how we started, you know, the circumstances, the memories, both good and bad that have shaped our creative life over the years. And we talked a little bit just now about self-doubt and in the season of going back in time, it's actually one of the ways that we can help usher us out of the season of self-doubt because in those moments, we can remember where we started. We can know with truth and certainty that we are a writer and know that whatever we're facing in the moment will get through it. Because when you look back over that timeline and the arc of your creativity and the history of making progress again and again, you'll be reminded that this work is part of your calling and that you are meant to do it. Okay, so season four, the season of discontent. This is a season I've spent so much time in. And early on before I had this framework of seasonal creative living to help guide me, I didn't know what to do in these periods. And ultimately I was really, really hard on myself when I should have been gentle and understanding. The season of discontent is anytime you find yourself in a set of frustrating circumstances that seems to be preventing you from writing. 
For many of us, our day job is often the biggest culprit here. We can easily move from seeing it as a patron of our work and a partner in our creativity to the one obstacle that's keeping us from the page. And to get yourself out of this season, I'm in full support of a three-step framework that I call the writing cycle of hope. I don't have time to go into as much detail on this episode, but the short explanation is it involves doing three things, making peace with your circumstances, making priorities, which will involve making choices and likely doing less, and finally making progress. This is a system that I wrote about in Wild Words, the book, and I've replicated it in my own life many, many times. And I always turn to it whenever I'm feeling frustrated about what seems to be an inability to write. Now moving into the season of listening to your body. In the same way we have a relationship with our creativity, I also believe that we're in a relationship with our body. It's always speaking to us, giving us clues, and helping us tune in to what's going on emotionally. And in this writer's life, I believe our bodies cannot be ignored. The body comes first is a motto of mine that I've had for the past several years, but I came to it rather reluctantly because the truth is when we have a lot of things going on and as writers, we always have something else taking our attention away from the page, right? So something to remember is that when you're in those moments when you could either choose to go to the gym for an hour or write for an hour, you know, the younger version of myself would say to write, but these days I do yoga or I meditate, you know, whatever makes your body feel good. I find that when I put my body first, creativity comes more easily. It actually helps make space for creativity to flow more freely when we've made that space in our bodies. And sometimes we're in a real groove with this, which is great. And other times we need to spend some time refocusing our attention on what we need physically. So this is a season that can sort of come and go over the years, depending on what's going on. But prioritizing your body, I know for me, my own creative life has been uh, something that has been truly beneficial for my writing. And number six, we have the season of raising young children. This season is a long one. It's really the most explosive right during that transition of having no kids to suddenly having a baby to care for. And then it just evolves and tends to act as a real undercurrent to everything you do moving forward, including your creative pursuits, as so many of you listening know. Sometimes it can throw you into the season of discontent. Sometimes it helps you refocus on the body, which we just talked about. Sometimes you need to do nothing except just take care of yourself and your baby. Almost always, you need to get creative about how and when to write. And as incredible as parenthood can be as a creative, there can certainly be some frustrating moments, which is to be expected. But the real gift I've taken from this whole thing, and I'm about four years in now, is being able to see more clearly what's worth pursuing and what's not. When you're in this season, you are in some ways forced to make those tough choices about where to put your time. But at the end of the day, I find that it helps me put out better work because I know what's most important and then the rest can fall away. 
And that brings us to season seven, the season of liminal space. Liminal space is a transition period, big and small. The definition I first heard on a podcast with Rob Bell is the time between what was and what's to come. The time between what was and what's to come. And life is just filled with liminal space. There are lots of obvious examples like getting married, being pregnant, a big move, changing jobs, that sort of thing. But liminal space also shows up in quieter ways, like when something last minute comes up or there's a family emergency. Anytime we need to change course, whether it's a day or two, a week or longer, Liminal space can't really be contained in parameters we can control, which is one of the hardest parts about being here. It's a season that can be likened to a kind of winter, really, when our job is to just listen and sit with things and wait and sometimes not write as much. The upside, though, is you can ask questions. You can consume other people's work to help fill your soul up and hopefully receive some answers to those questions that will ultimately help you move out of the season with a lot of grace and a lot of self-compassion. I was in a huge season of liminal space when I finished graduate school and started working full-time back in my early 20s, but the problem was I had no idea what liminal space even was. I had no concept of seasonal creative living, so I was really tough on myself. Instead of just giving myself some time to say, hey, you're going through a lot right now, things are changing, we need to find a new normal, I was just so mad at myself for what felt like an inability to write. Now I'm so much more aware of this season and what it requires for me, that it's much easier to welcome and embrace. So onward, we now turn to the season of visibility. This is a very active and intense season in some ways. Now, it can certainly be kind of that same undercurrent in a way, uh, something like a presence that you're maintaining on social media or a blog that you're writing regularly, where in one respect, you're really working to actively be visible to people on a regular basis and share your message. But it can also be more of a really... uh, short-term experience that requires a lot of your energy, especially when you're talking about launching anything. So if a book is coming out, you're starting a podcast, you're hosting a workshop, or you're speaking at a conference, anytime you're putting yourself and your message out there, that falls into visibility for me. And in some ways, it's a wonderful, expansive season that as writers, we do need to experience. You know, it's often in a season of visibility that we receive feedback and validation for our work, you know, just enough to help us feel like we're making a difference in someone's life or enough to just feel recommitted to the work that we're doing. It's often very fun and exciting and should absolutely 100% be embraced. But It's also a season that can be very draining. So it's essential that you prepare prepare yourself for it as much as possible. And the other thing to keep in mind in this season is it's fleeting. You know, when it's over, there can be this big crash and then suddenly you're back at the beginning staring at a blank page. So lots of emotional swings here. And 
This leads nicely into the season of retreating, which if you've been in visibility for a while, retreating can sometimes feel like the next right thing to do. Retreating comes in a few different forms. You know, it could be taking a break from social media for a week, a month, three months. It can be pressing pause on a blog you've been writing or a newsletter. It can be shoving a draft in the drawer and walking away for a while. It can be a literal retreat where you leave your home with the intention of writing and resting either by yourself or in more of a workshop setting. There are really a lot of ways to retreat, and it's just another example of one of those necessary components of the writer's life that can really help us tune in and recover our creative spirits in many ways. And finally, the season of finishing. This is another really glorious season that can make us feel like we're just unstoppable. You know, we're editing, we're submitting our work, we're hitting publish, we're turning in manuscripts that we've worked on for years. But in order to get to the season of finishing, I find I often need a little bit of a plan. So whether it's a spreadsheet to track your word counts, putting writing onto your weekly calendar, like having a standing appointment, or something I'm a big fan of, especially when it comes to writing books, is implementing project management strategies to keep you on track. But the way that I like to do this is what I call having strategies with softer edges. I love a plan. I love a spreadsheet. I love being organized and ticking off boxes. But I also know that it's important to tune in and see how I feel day to day. I like making adjustments. I like stopping when I'm tired. I don't push myself to the brink of exhaustion. So that is a really general overview of seasonal creative living. And to sum up, this mindset is really all about being kind and gentle with yourself, honoring where you are right now. And like I mentioned already, knowing that wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. And something to keep in mind about the seasons is they're very fluid. Unlike our fall, winter, spring, and summer, which actually have dates on a calendar to help us mark the transition, creative seasons aren't always as structured. Sometimes they can be, but most of the time they're pretty open. And it's very common to be intertwined in several seasons at once. That's just the nature of the writer's life. And if you'd like to learn more, be sure to subscribe to the show, pick up a copy of Wild Words wherever books are sold, and join my private Facebook community where you can get more support on your writing journey. Just head to thewildwords.com slash community to sign up. Thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait to continue exploring the writing seasons with you. After picking up your copy of Wild Words, visit wildwordsbook.com to download a book bundle that includes Uncover Your Origin Story, a workbook designed to help unleash the writer within, and a 20-minute yoga nidra meditation to help you feel relaxed, grounded, and ready to write. That's wildwordsbook.com.